Welcome to a brand new episode of Welcome Home. This podcast is brought to you by H6 Homes in Orlando, Florida. Tune in to hear Alex and Eric, the real estate pros, as they bring all of the knowledge you need to know when buying and selling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the H6 Homes Welcome Home podcast. My name is Eric Mieles. I am joined by always my business partner, friend, colleague, Several other titles, I'm sure. Alex Vasquez. (laughs) And uh, I'm excited, man. We have a special guest on this episode of the podcast. Agent extraordinaire, superstar, friend, and H6 Homes partner, Brianna Bradley. How are you, Brianna? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to get into it, learn a little bit um, on some topics we're going to share today. Um, And, uh, you know, go from there. Yeah. You up for it? You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Brianna's always ready. Uh, Brianna's always ready. Has a coffee in, feeling a little bit better. Let's go. <laughs> That's great. Well, why don't you, uh, you know, begin by telling a little bit about yourself to the audience? Yeah. So thank you once again for having me. I am a partner on the H6 Homes. Name is Brianna Bradley. And I actually started real estate about five years ago. I was working in the hospital for a couple of years, Florida Hospital, for about three years. Got accepted to the nursing program. Realized it was not for me. Not something that I had passion in. And so I took a leap, jumped into real estate, and met you guys. My brother actually purchased through Eric and Alex. And so through that friendship, through that partnership, and now mentorship, I've gotten to be on the team and grow and learn. Awesome. You're doing great, by the way. Thank you. You know, it's funny. You said you came from the hospital uh, industry, right? The health industry, helping people. But what you're doing now is helping people as well. And so inside of you, I know that's really what you do best is just help people get to their goals. Yeah, and it's the fulfilling part. I just feel like money is not everything. And if you can make an impression on people for the future or even now, and you have that fulfillment, it's worth it. So I love real estate. Happy to be here and want to continue growing. We're happy to have you. So I have a question. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about being a real estate agent? Ooh, that's an easy one for me. Um, For me personally, it's meeting new people every day. I love learning about their story, connecting with them, becoming friends. Every single situation that we run into is different. So every buyer or seller has a different story and different needs. And so our job is to navigate with them through what they need and criteria to help them reach their goals. And so for me, the favorite part is the challenge, but also the connections. Absolutely. And you do that well. Again, you do that really well. Thank you. I think a lot of the people that are listening to us, um, if, they follow us if they follow us on our, our vlogs, uh, Brianna just started one, right? I did. The buying did. process, and <laughs> you're doing really well on that. I appreciate it. I've gotten yeah. a ton of feedback on it, and so I love to kind of talk about the process. So I'm giving them the ins and outs. They'll get more in person, obviously, but having snippets of me in real life helps them connect better follow-up questions, and we go from there. So it's been good. Awesome. It's a focus on new construction, correct? It is. And so I've noticed um, in my real estate career, I've had a lot of new construction deals go on and how to navigate through those steps. And there's a lot of things that people as buyers, they don't know about the process or they don't know what to expect when purchasing new construction. So it's exciting to kind of cover that avenue along with a couple other sectors that I'm interested in and I cover, investing, the buying process from A to Z, first-time home buyers. We're navigating a little bit more sellers this year as well Mm -hmm. but primarily focusing on the buying experience so it's been awesome 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 what's your because i I can't let you off the hook without asking your least favorite part of being a real estate agent (laughs) i would say honestly for me i'm going to be very transparent uh, i think the traveling the driving all over the place kind of gets it runs you down a little bit Mm -hmm. i would say that's the least part but it's worth it um just the overall career itself is worth it yeah i don't think many people know that in order to find the right home, you need to see a lot of homes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not 
is rarely, I should say rarely, is it you see one or two houses and you know that's the one. Usually on average, what is it, about seven to ten? I would say, yeah, I would say about seven to ten is fair. We can expect to either find it within the first month, but if you're looking for something particular, it could be six months. Depends on the location, what's our criteria, what's our budget, what are our goals, are we in a rush, uh, do we need to get out of our property right now, is there a lease in place? So all those are factors we're going to look at when determining what our process is and how long it takes. Awesome. And I always tell buyers um, in general our goal is not to settle. You know, if it's a long-term home, let's try to be as close to your wish list as possible while also being realistic in the market that we're currently in, knowing that it has a lot of people purchasing here and we have a lot of movement. Mm -hmm. And so we have to act accordingly in each situation. And inventory being low. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Good. All great stuff. Um, we are ecstatic to be in business with you and have you as a partner. Thank you for being on the show. I know you're going to make it great, and um, we appreciate you. Aww, thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely. Like I said, it's been a benefit working with you guys for the last couple of years. I've learned a ton, and I just see us continuing. Absolutely. Awesome. Fantastic. Awesome. So let's get into um, today's market myth. Yeah. I'm excited about this topic. <laughs> I'm very passionate about it, and I'm interested to get everybody's perspective. So with that said... Um, Today's market myth is something that I hear constantly as the market keeps doing what it's doing, as more and more people continue to want to be in the real estate space. This notion that um, go out and get a property and automatically it's an investment, if you will, right? So someone wants to buy a property to add it to their portfolio because they have a desire to be, quote unquote, an investor, and I open up the question, just because you want to be an investor and you buy any type of property as quote unquote an investment, does that truly mean it's an investment? And are you an investor at that point in time? Well, that's a lot. It is. It really is. <laughs> that's a lot. And so I'll, I'll, I'll go first and then we'll let Brianna chime in. I think there's different levels of investments right we can talk about those but when you decide to purchase an investment property you are in that moment deciding to act as an investor okay um, I think what needs to happen up front is you need to identify what type of investor you want to be and educate yourself behind that and identify what type of risk you want to take on because in an investment there's investments that are very low risk and very safe and there are investments that are very high risk and may not be as safe. So I think those are the preliminary things you need to answer about what you want to do, what your goals are. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, it's, I guess a two-part question, I would say, um, when speaking with someone who's looking at possibly investing. And so like you mentioned, we do have to identify what type of investment we're looking into. And so there are different avenues you can take. There's investors who choose to do flipping the house, fix and flips. There's investors who have tenants in place long term. They just want to run it out and have it held for a while and build equity. And then we have another section which directly infects our area near the Disney corridor where there's short-term investors who want to buy a property, rent it out short-term to people visiting as opposed to hotel usage. And that's a completely different avenue. So when looking to be an investor first time, um, we have to consider that and then also consider what's our goals as far as return or lifestyle. Will you use that residence for yourself? Will you use it as a second home? What 
kind of results do we want? And right. that's going to be the basis for our initial conversation because the more we dig deep, the more we learn about what you need, the better we can navigate. There's things that we don't think of. Like, are you going to hold have reserves for vacancies? That's another thing. Yeah, sure. absolutely. There's a I, lot to it. Yeah, I agree with everything both of you guys said. He, here's my issue. But, see, there's always <laughs> a big but. Whatever. I saw it coming. Here's my, here's my issue. Follow me. Someone comes to you and wanting to make an investment, their mm -hmm. first investment. They identify ABC neighborhood in a specific location that's new construction. Mm -hmm. And they say, Brianna, Alex, I want to buy a new home in ABC neighborhood that's new construction. And I'm going to wait until the community's built out. And I know that that home will be worth more than what I paid for. Therefore, this is the investment I want to make. My issue with that scenario is that is not investing. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to be clear to the audience. I'm not sitting here on a high horse, right? Where I'm coming from in this dialogue is a passion for people to make the right choice on their investment, whether it's the first or 50th time, and to protect themselves ultimately to not be a speculator. In my humble opinion, speculating is not investing and hope is not a strategy. And so with that said, <laughs> I open it up to you guys if you feel differently or if you have the same issues with that whole scenario as I do. Yeah. So for me personally, I do run into that a lot. Um, with our market growing so much, a lot of people are watching TV, House Hunters and HGTV, <laughs> and they all get super excited. I have the money. Let's invest. Oh, it's growing. It's shiny. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, we always have to take a step back and really look at it. What are the economic drivers in the area that you're purchasing? Is there land use being grown in the area? What's the market rates in that area? And how much are you willing to come out of pocket? And what will your turn be? So we would like to do a market analysis officially so they get a clearer picture instead of just purchasing because it's a booming area and they said it's going to grow. So, I mean, you have to look at both factors. Sure. So, <laughs> okay. but. so here's where I go with this. Yeah. Um, Eric likes to call it speculative, <laughs> right? right? But there is... There are, there are four investment strategies, and this doesn't come from me. If you, I mean, you can look it up. There's core investments, right? And core are very low risk, very safe investments that many people uh, buy into. Mm -hmm. um, they can be a personal resident, uh, not a, an investment residence that they know is in great shape. They're going to get their rent. They may make 100 or $200 a month on it, and that's a safe investment for them. Then there's core plus which is slightly higher risk, where there's maybe a little bit more risk factor. There is also more reward, right? And then they determine when or when they don't want to exit that investment. Then there is the improvement, right? The, the, the one that Eric really likes to mm -hmm. really focus on. Add value. Which is value add, exactly. Purchase a property, um, may need some work, fix it up a little bit. Now it's probably worth a little bit more because of the improvement you gave it, all the while running the numbers so that the rental uh, cash, flows. cash flows and everything is great. However, there is a fourth, and it is called opportunistic versus speculative. <laughs> okay. And opportunistic is a very high risk. And these are the investments that a lot of the hedge fund guys get into, right? So they buy high-risk properties or uh it could be land development, it can be properties, it can be a portfolio of properties, 
and these are higher risk. However, usually the higher risk do tend to perform really well, but you have to know when to exit, and there has to be an exit strategy. So I believe it goes back to what we discussed in the beginning, sitting down with the client, understanding what their goals, needs, and wants are, and then determining what type of investment is going to fit them. If, there's a, if they're experienced investors, which I have, um, past clients of mine, that all they do is new construction because mm -hmm. they don't want to get involved in the fixing up and having to deal with contractors and older homes. They don't want to deal with that. They go in and their strategy is very clear. I'm going to purchase in the beginning phase. I'm going to sell in the third phase or fourth phase. I'm going to make my $10,000, $15,000 and I'm out. Um, that is a strategy. It's not speculative. <laughs> well, and I think, couple, yeah, let me, let yeah, me yeah, finish because okay, okay. Eric's jittery. I'm right dying to. <laughs> and I think that what Brianna said with it, which is understanding the market around that development, what's happening, what's coming, where is it? Is, mm -hmm. it, is it saturated? Is it overdeveloped? All of those key factors will play into how well that investment will perform or not. The Welcome Home Podcast is sponsored by H6 Homes, innovative thought leaders in the residential real estate industry. Check out h6homes.com to learn more. So my issue with the scenario that you painted of buying the first phase, wait till the third phase, exit, and then make my money, it, none of that is guaranteed. Correct. None of that is is. Again, guaranteed, right? We don't know what the market conditions between the first phase and third phase are. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee in that equity raise. How long will it take the exit strategy to be put in place depending on the performance of the development and the market at that time? There's so many factors that are high risk and speculative that um, – there's no real guarantee that any of that will pan out. And so for the investor, quote unquote, to say, I'll buy in the first phase, I'll make my 15 because by the third phase, the builder's prices will be up and I'll exit and make my money so I don't have to do really much of anything. I really think it, it's a scary proposition to be in and it's incredibly speculative because you're speculating on all those factors to occur which there's no guarantee they will but that's your opinion exactly and not only that I, I, well, but I agree <laughs> okay, with okay, you right, right it right. is a higher risk it's right high risk. but some people are in the place in their life where they can make that risk comfortably knowing that if they can't sell in phase three they might be able to buy and hold it for a couple of years to see where the market goes. Some people are comfortable knowing that risk, but still not having to put the work into it. So it goes back to what Alex was mentioning and what you were mentioning in the beginning. Let's circle back to what are your goals and needs and what are you comfortable risking in that investment? Right. Are, so you, are, you a, are you an opportunistic investor or are you someone that just strictly wants a safe investment? But I do want to add, I know you use the word opportunistic, I have to agree with Eric on the side that I do feel it is speculative. If we're not fully running numbers, we are. There, There is a portion of that which is speculative. However, that falls under the opportunistic investor. And if they choose to do that and they have a f formula or a strategy that has been performing well for them over the years, 
then because you don't like that formula True. doesn't mean it's not an investment. <laughs> True. And when taking out our biases, we do have to understand they come from different walks of life and different paths. So True. that's something to consider as well. True. I think for me personally, and I think I'm not going to speak for you, Eric, but I can gather we kind of like to run on the safe side. So our goal is to make sure that it's going to have a good outcome either way and you're safe on both sides. I think it's a phenomenal discussion. And and where, where I'll go with this, and just for the audience and the takeaway, is... Um, you are correct in terms of there's many different strategies mm-hmm. an investor will employ to get the returns they deem are acceptable to them, right? At the same time, um, there's some principles to core investing. And one of the principles that I remember picking up early, and it's really safeguarded my portfolio thus far, is you make your money when you buy, you cash the check when you sell. And that's simple phrase was so impactful for me and hopefully as we share and bring forth this information to the audience they can take what they they feel is important to them but really think about that if i make my money when i buy the property then it doesn't matter what the market does because i've already made my money on day one and the reason why value add investing is um such an incredible pillar and strategy to employ in your vesting portfolio is eliminating that speculative fluctuation that can occur because I already made money on day one. Now all I need to do is execute, and eventually whenever I exit, I will cash the check that I made. And And I just think it's, it's just a sound principle as opposed to the buy a shiny brand new house, which typically is priced at the tippy, tippy, tippy top the market can bear, and then hope it goes up in value. <laughs> I, I just don't. I just don't know how that could be a strategy. But it works. But there are people it has out there worked. That, it does. It has it, worked. I have I have great clients that have made a lot of money just doing that. Sure. Over fifteen years. And I have too. I've had some clients who've made money. That and way I would as say well. they're incredibly lucky. I would say they're incredibly lucky. And it goes to that. It's true. And they used a couple of things as knowledge, but they didn't have a basis. But the thing is, they were comfortable with that risk. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. I don't don't think it, I I think there's a little play in luck, but I think it's how much are you willing to risk? Exactly. Educating yourself and and being comfortable with with your decision. It's not an emotional decision. It should be a, a, you know, it should be a decision that you make based on numbers and based logic. on your strategy and your logic, mm-hmm. exactly. Sure. And potential backed by numbers, by what's in the area and what's in the neighborhood. Sure. And 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 again, I know we can go really deep, but just to, to round this off, and, and Alex can attest to this because both of us saw the boom and bust cycle of our market. And during the 2004 to 2007 era, and maybe this is what impacted my mindset on what we're speaking about, I saw friends, family, close acquaintances all fall under that buy now in six months to eight months sell that new construction property make a hundred grand and do it all over again and everyone was rolling in money during Mm -hmm. that time it was there was a, a, a there was a can't lose philosophy that took over the majority of people in the real estate space right until the rug was pulled out from them and they learned unfortunately, really quickly and harsh that that wasn't a sound 
principle to employ, right? right? And, and what I want to say to that, and, and again, we'll, we'll probably move on from here, but I, I do want to say one thing. Those were speculators because they had no education, Correct. study, research behind any of those decisions they were making. They were purely going off of, my friend just did it, so exactly. I'm going to do it. And that is what doesn't make you an investor. Mm. When you are an investor, you do your research, you understand the risk involved, and everything is put in place to make that specific investment whatever strategy you're imploring. Mm. Um, not because my neighbor or my friend or my cousin did it, I'm going to do it. And it's so important that they the analyze the entire picture as yeah. a whole before making that decision. Yeah. Sure, sure. Cool. Great discussion. Absolutely. Appreciate it. It's, uh, it's, it's one that um, you know never ends because mm -hmm. people do want to jump in the real estate space. They want to build wealth through real estate. And it's important that all of us really um, keeps ourselves sharp through having these conversations and bringing them forth to the community because um, they need to hear this. Right. You know what I mean? They right. need to hear this as opposed to um, you know having a desire to um, own their first investment property. Uh, maybe acquiring the wrong information from the wrong um, professional that maybe doesn't have the sound knowledge or the things we're talking about. And it could it can really hurt someone financially. Absolutely. You know, if they go about this yeah. the wrong way, it could hurt them financially. Absolutely. So um, I think it's a perfect segue to today's topic of the day. We're going to keep it on the investment topic because um, I want to share with you a case study. Now, we've not... Um, brought about a case study on our podcast. This is the first one, mm -hmm. but maybe if the audience like it, we can keep this going uh, and use real-world case studies of you know, people that we're actually working with in the community and real deals that we can bring forth on the podcast. So um, with that said, we have a past client. We worked together and we're fortunate to meet uh, about six years ago. And we, uh, you know, Brianna mentioned HGTV, you know, <laughs> we got lucky enough to do an episode of House Hunters on HGTV. And so this couple um, wanted to buy their first home. We ended up partnering with them to help them purchase their first home. And we did an episode of House Hunters and they, they closed on their home. Um, about six years ago, and it was their first property, and it was fantastic. It was just a great experience, um, great process. And from that point on, which is true to most people, all, almost all that we interact with in, in our business and personal lives, we keep close relationships. So they mm -hmm. became friends. Um, you know, communication's there, and we're always there to help people in the long term. He called me and wanted to buy his first investment property. He had a desire for his family to build wealth through real estate. And that's the desire that starts. And then you have to take action and actually acquire knowledge, build your team, and execute. And he did. And I commend him tremendously because he called me. We had several conference calls regarding the things that we just talked about a couple minutes ago. What is his goals? What is his risk tolerance? What is he willing to do? What is his parameters? We got all that out in the open, and then I gave him resources for him to acquire more knowledge in his downtime, podcasts, blogs, websites, different things like that. Where we ended up was the strategy we were going to employ was his home had gained a lot of equity since he bought six years ago. Was that speculative? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> Point uh, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't speculative okay. because he didn't buy his primary home on the pre pre premise to leverage it as an investment. I know, I know. <laughs> it was a future decision I know, after right? purchase. You know, touche, Alex, <laughs> touche. You know? But nevertheless, um, he ended up doing a cash out refinance on his primary home. He pulled out $50,000. 
And that was going to be the money he earmarked for his first investment property. Okay. okay? So with that cash out re refinance completed, all was done and closed. He has this money available. Now we enter the shopping phase. Mm -hmm. In the shopping phase, we knew we wanted to target small multifamily. First off, a little bit of biasy from me helping him because I am a small multifamily guy. I believe in it for cash flow. I think it's a phenomenal investment. So he absorbed some of that, and that's where we kind of set the strategy. We began screening out properties, and ultimately we found a duplex in Lakeland. Okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, it's funny. When you speak to, to first-time investors, they usually start within their area of where they live, right? Very true. Because there's an uncomfortableness of saying, go an hour away. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Would you would you agree? Absolutely. You know, and so as you expand, as you learn more, as you share more, they start to separate this lens of this is not going to be my home. This is going to be an investment property that needs to perform. And this is a very important distinction because people will bring their own personal biases to their investment search. And that does not go hand in hand. Yeah, no emotion. No. Should be no emotion. It's I logic, agree. Right? And that's one of the things we have to discuss with them prior to is taking off that personal hat of yep. purchasing for themselves and using an investment hat, running the numbers and Absolutely. keeping it factual, not right. emotional. Well, you can. I know you can speak uh, a lot on this topic because you had briefly mentioned the short-term zone around Disney. Exactly. And so you can touch on a little, right? What's usually, usually how does usually the call go when we get someone interested in the short-term yeah. zone in Disney, right? You know our process of distinguishing between the two, but why don't you, you touch a little bit on the questions you ask yeah. to help someone understand that you got conflicting goals here. Mm -hmm. So usually the call starts out with, hey, you know, I know Orlando's booming. I would love to invest here. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going to ask you some discovery questions just to see how much knowledge you have on investing. Is this your first time? Is this your 10th time? What locations do you specialize on? And then back to goals again. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times with buyers <laughs> and they're looking at trying to invest in the short-term rental zone, they have to understand the difference between short-term investing and long-term investing. Um, there's a lot of questions that you have to ask yourself when looking to buy a short-term investment. You want to have it in an area that's performing because people who are going to be renting out this space or a consumer living in this area may want to have location close to the parks or close to things that they're able to do on vacation. As an investor, they have to consider if you're not living here locally, will you be hiring a property management company to help you get the bookings you need to sustain the income you need to get a return? Or are you going to be managing it yourself? Are you going to hire a company who's going to furnish the property? Are you buying it furnished? There's a lot of factors that they have to consider. And so I ask them questions. Will you be using this for yourself as personal use a few times a year? Or is this going to be strictly investment? Then we're going to look at communities that perform well in the surrounding area of the short-term rental zone. And for people who don't know, that area is within a 25 to 30-minute radius of Disney is allow short-term rentals, and it's coded and allowed, and if you're far from that, you may not get it approved to run a business that way. And so there's some certain things in place that we have to ask them to find out how much they know and then to navigate the top communities. Sure, yeah. sure, and the biggest thing is you're gonna use this for your vacations, okay, mm -hmm. but what's the bigger goal here? The investment and the cash flow that you're gonna yield from the investment 
or your personal desires, family, friends coming in to stay with it. Correct. And so the exactly. point is, we, we digressed a little bit, but the point is distinguishing between the two because mm-hmm. what you like may not be the best performing asset in that zone. Exactly. Right? And right, usually right. The, the properties that are developed on a higher level have a lower return because they put so much money into it sure. um, as opposed to things that are just performing just because of the location. Sure. And like that. sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so all of that's important. And so going back... Identified the Lakeland duplex, right? Um, it's listed for 170. Now, I want to take a second. There are some key things that I like when I find an investment property. First off, I look at the ownership records. Here's a little clue. Because the market is so hot and there's so many investors out there, sometimes you'll see something you like. And when you look at the tax records, you'll see it was just bought five months ago. And typically, that gives me a little bit of a red flag. Mm -hmm. Because remember that, going back, I like the value-add investing portion. And if someone previous to me, our clients, just bought this and added value, well, then they took away the value-add we're going to do to make our money on day one. So that's number one. However, when I look at tax records and I see that this was uh, interfamily sort of transfer, potentially someone passed away and have owned this duplex since 1993, things like that, there's issues that I assume are happening where either A, just done with the property, can't handle the maintenance, don't want the headaches if there's any, all of that things leads to potentially, in my opinion, a good deal that potentially could be panned out. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened when I saw this duplex, right? Mm -hmm. Secondly, it was fully occupied by tenants. It's already producing. It's mm. already producing. But the rents had not been increased in years. And the rents were incredibly undervalued. I mean, under $500 <laughs> for two bedroom, one bath on wow. each side of the I mean, that's place. beautiful. It, wow. Right? <laughs> so, so, so just to share with the audience, what I'm thinking is, hold on. I know rents in something that's updated in that area could be 800 Right. Here we are, people that have been in here 15 years paying 500. There's value add right there, right? Mm-hmm. Bumping up rents, which increases the bottom line cash flow. So anyway, I identify all this. We go see the property. Uh, we make an offer. We end up getting the property for 150, 20 grand off list. Wow. That's beautiful. Right? Okay. <laughs> in contract, go through the process, and they successfully closed on Monday. Nice. Excellent. It was a fantastic transaction. First property. And so real quick, before we all chime in, I just want to share the numbers so that the audience can understand. So at $150,000 purchase price, typically duplex, triplex, and quads, most lenders require 25% down. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that would be $37,500. That's obviously without closing costs and all the additional stuff. But with that said, the buyer ends up taking a mortgage of 112.5. And if we just use some rough numbers, 30-year fixed mortgage, 4.5% interest, they have a payment, principal interest, of roughly about $570. Mm-hmm. Okay? Everyone follow me so far? Yep. Definitely. So now we have to work the numbers to identify, is this a cash-flowing investment that will sustain, right? And so we start to apply our expenses. So number one, we figure out rents. Hypothetically... If rents could be scaled at 825 times two sides, that's gross income of $1,650. Wow. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Follow me. Yep. Now let's deduct. Usually to safeguard our clients, we add line items such as vacancy. Use 5%. We add reserves. We use 10%. We factor in taxes and insurance, obviously. We factor in pest control and lawn. And when all those expenses are tallied up, it looks like the property has a total expense amount of $1,045. Okay? Yep. Yeah. So now let's subtract from the overall income and what's left, then add in the mortgage, which is the principal and interest, $475 at the end of the day in cash flow. Yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, He's doing really well. He's doing really <laughs> well for his first investment. That is incredible to me. Right. You know what I mean? And so, um, again, the case study of, A, there are deals out there. You have to be diligent. You have to be patient. You have to have some sort of clear parameters um, and a strategy in what you're looking for. And then ultimately, when you bring in this type of education, knowledge, and analysis, you really could um, achieve your goal of buying your first investment property the right way and not end up having a speculative, I, I can't say it without laughing, <laughs> a speculative investment, quote unquote. But this is true real life figures and a real deal that just closed Monday. And I think it's fantastic. And I couldn't be happier for the guy and his right. family. I really couldn't be happy. Yeah, I agree. I, well, I think a couple of things. Um, that specific deal, you sat down with the buyer identified what was going to work for him and then zoned in on a niche that that buyer was specifically looking for. And in this case was multifamily, right? Small multifamily. Um, Then the next step was identifying the property or the area, which you did. And this so happened to be just a really great deal. A lot of deals are not like that to be, to be clear. But um, what made it even better was working with someone that understood that market and was able to navigate the numbers because I can guarantee you as well, most unseasoned investors or most unseasoned investor agents won't take out some of these line items that are very important line items that you mentioned. So again, it goes back to, I think what we all said in the beginning, right? Understanding what you're looking for, educating yourself behind it, finding out what risk am I willing to take on and then going identifying the property and making sure there's no emotion involved, there's logic behind the decisions you're making so that financially you're not stuck in the end. And I guess one other thing that he did really well and is that he considered another location far from where he was living. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, like you mentioned before, Eric, decide to invest in centrally around them right. instead of expanding to areas that do have potential. Right. And when you don't run the reserve numbers, you are putting yourself at risk. Yeah. If the property does break down or have any issues, you should have funds on the side that you've reserved from your income to sustain it. Yep. Because if not, then you could end up underwater. Correct. Yeah, yeah. taking yeah. money out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agreed. Fantastic conversation, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you, Brianna. Just so, uh, I, I mean, I want to reveal now that the episode's over, me and Brianna had a conversation prior to recording that she would side with everything I said. So. <laughs> <laughs> the many lies of Eric. <laughs> no, but I really appreciate great. you guys. Thank you for the dialogue and the, and, and the conversation. I, I hope the audience really um, took some nuggets from this as we speak about investing because it's a topic that uh, uh, so many people are interested in, talk about, and want 
want to do. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys for having me so awesome. much. It's been awesome discussing it. We know a lot of investors are coming to the market, and so it's good we're covering it, some information on it. Yeah. Stay around for the next show. How about that? I'll be there. Okay, cool. Brianna, <laughs> tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. You can call me at 407-668-3015. But I'm also a member on the H6 Homes team, so through any of our portals, any of these guys are able to help and connect you with me, and I'd love to answer questions you guys have. Lots of clients investing, lots of people purchasing here, but our go- goal is to make sure we're educating you guys and taking through the process as best as we can. Right. Eric, how about you? Yeah, you guys can reach us uh, on the social networks. Look up Eric Mielas. Um, look up H6 Homes on Facebook. Uh, my number is 407-383-2189. Send me a text. Give me a call. Um, you know, you got some questions. You want some topics we want to uh, get into a little deeper on the podcast. Just uh, let us know. Yep, absolutely. And for me, uh, same thing. Social media, website, H6 Homes, or my personal number is 321-443-3483. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Really Thank appreciate you guys. it. Yeah, awesome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the information the H6 guys provided. To learn more about H6 Homes, visit h6homes.com and follow them on social media at H6 Homes.